Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I am your host, Trevin Stoltzfus. We're here on another amazing adventure in the high country, Colorado. Um, this trip is special to me because it's kind of uh, with my best buds from high school. And we've been planning this for over, well, right about a year. Talked about it. Yeah. Before. So I'm sitting here in our Davis Wall tent with David Garcia, who now resides in Austin from Las Cruces, New Mexico. Howdy, howdy. My, Michael Salazar. Who is? Do, do they? Do people just call you doctor or like when you're? I'm teaching. Oh yeah, when I'm teaching Dr. Salazar. Right. Yeah, for sure. But your your friends don't call you doctor. No. I mean, I'm well, you ne- knew I'll, me when I was a kid. I'll so. never call you doctor. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, because uh, uh, then I'd ask you to look at the mole on my back. <laughs> um, and you are just outside of In Jackson, Tennessee. Jackson, Tennessee, also from Las Cruces, New Mexico. Corey's with us. How's it going, guys? Corey's uh, uh, head honcho here right now for uh, the field production. Um, Does and, a great job, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Lakewood. Yep, Lakewood. And uh, Corey's been uh, um, he's been following the guys around for well the whole hunt. So mm-hmm. Tanner's uh, going to be joining us shortly. Tanner, originally from Montrose, um, now from wherever his trucks parked. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, Outback Outdoors. Uh, out of Windsor, Colorado, is me. So what I want to first do before we get going too far is, Dave, I'm going to throw it to you. Just introduce yourself as far as what you do, um, and then we'll get into the story of how we know each other, and then we'll get into this t- and tell this story. Sure. Like, introduce professionally? Like, yeah, what do, what do you do for a living? I uh, mean, I, I know the OnlyFans thing's going well, but, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, so Dave Garcia uh, from Austin, Texas, originally from Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, native New Mexican, um, what I do for a living. So, uh, graduated double E, electrical engineering, uh, worked for GE for 17 years. Um, now I'm, I'm a, what you call an engineer turned bad. So went up the management chain and then now I work for it with a team of engineers and we're on the retail fuel side working for, uh, NCR national cash register out of, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Gotcha. And you've been, uh, in, is that why you moved to Austin? It, it, well, yeah, in a roundabout way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moved, so I moved around different businesses with GE, um, came to Austin with oil and gas, mm-hmm. uh, retail fuels. Um, and then I, I shortly after that, uh, about four years later, um, started working for NCR, recruited by them and there ever since. Okay. Okay. You have a lovely wife named Liz that I, I actually knew before you did. Yes. But um, talk about your family. Uh, so uh, coming up on 30 years with my beautiful wife, Liz, uh, we have three great kids, uh, pretty much adults now, 23, 21, and 18. So we're getting close to being empty nesters, which I'm looking forward to, but uh, it's been a great road. Yeah. yeah. And Mike, you... Uh, you, I remember you, you went to Salt Lake for a brief period. Well, I'll let you tell your story. Yeah. So also grew up with these buddies of mine in Las Cruces and um, went to New Mexico State as well with Dave. We went in as freshmen together and both uh, engineering majors. And um, I lasted maybe a semester, maybe two, I don't remember, but um, took the obligatory chemistry course and loved it. And 
thought, you know, maybe I'll be a chemical engineer. And then when I got to physical chemistry, I thought, uh, this is the bomb. Uh, I, I want to do science. And so then I graduated with a BS in chemistry, then went to University of Utah in Salt Lake City and earned my PhD there. And then went to Los Alamos and did a postdoc for three years. And then um, I was going to stay there, but some things at the lab happened that weren't so great. And uh, so ended up moving to Jackson, Tennessee to teach at Union University. It's a liberal arts university. Um, so I've been teaching there for, I think it's my 22nd year. Um, it's been great. Enjoy it. Um, got a great f family life there. So I'm married. Uh, we, my wife and I celebrated our 30th this past summer. And uh, we've got 12 kids. The oldest is 30. Stop. <laughs> yes, folks, you heard that right. Repeat that. 12 kids. Yeah. Wow. 12 kids. They're great. So uh, recruiting uh, your own baseball team? Well, we're, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. That's right. Baseball. And we've got a few relief pitchers. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're great. Our oldest is 30, and he and his wife have been married for a couple of years. They're expecting in March, so we're soon to be grandparents. and. It'll be a different phase of life, so that'll be great. Looking forward to that. And then our youngest is uh, eight years old, little Cora, I, and um, she's she's wonderful. The kids, I guess we've got um, uh, seven at home, but one's a college student. He's not around so much, um, and uh, you know it, it's great. I uh, it's just. Yeah, I miss being away from this has been great, but I miss them a lot and the whole, you know, my wife and kids and that's my life. And so I, I really miss that. But uh, but it's great. It's been this has been a great hunt. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, the response and I've got to, of course, meet all your, your kids and yeah. yours, Dave. Mm -hmm. And um, you guys have done a phenomenal job raising kids. I have one. Right. And and uh, I mean, there's a point. Again, this is kind of off topic, but there's a point where you say, I'm responsible for so much. And then they get to an age where they have to make decisions. And you can only hope that, that you have raised them in a way, Proverbs talk about raise them in the way that, you know, in, in a godly way, and, and they won't depart from it. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I can only hope, you know, it's Avery's 17, and she's a 17 year old teenager. And, um, yeah, it's, you only hope you raised them right. So now you guys have adults out of the, uh, part of your family's out of the house, part of them still there. Um, it's a scary, it's kind of scary, mm -hmm. but then I'm sure it's also joyful to see them make wise decisions. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's just fun to see them in their own unique personalities and the things that they enjoy and things they do and uh, support them in that. So, And yeah. every one of your kids, the thing that I was talking to Sandy about after, I think, Caleb's wedding mm -hmm. was just how unique each, yeah. the personalities of each one of your kids was. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, just goes to show you. We're all individuals. So this hunt got planned because basically what we started doing a couple years back is we we just weren't staying in contact very much. And we said, okay, we're going to once a year try and get together over a long weekend, right. something, you know. In And so Dave took the reins and planned it. We flew into Austin and um, had a three-day weekend. And we played poker, swam in the pool, hung out, went had barbecue. It was great. Um, so then the next step on the docket, I 
had raised my hand because I knew you guys were getting some preference points in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So we kind of figured that out. And with, really with the help of Tanner, because Tanner knows being, as much as he's on this western slope and the guy spends more time in the outdoors than he does indoors, um, where where can Mike draw? He had the most preference points for mule deer. We decided to go ahead and separate elk and mule deer uh, premium units um, and not waste elk points on a subpar elk unit but a good mule deer you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. we mike was the gonna gonna apply for this tag and um and then dave and i were if we wanted if we got into a bunch of elk we could buy an over-the-counter bull elk right. tag for second rifle we knew you would draw it you did draw it so then the planning started and it was about you know logistics mm -hmm. and the nice thing with what we have is we pretty much are set up six to eight people i mean I start going over eight. Now we start needing other accommodations. You've got a really nice setup, yeah. actually. I was impressed. Yeah. I, I, so I, just, I, I did. I, I kind of told you. I said, guys, yeah. I pretty much got everything you need. Yeah, I was um, shocked. The really. hard for, part for me is storing it all yeah. when I'm not using it. Mm -hmm. um, thus, the new barn. <laughs> but uh, um, and which Mike wants to fill with Toyota Land Cruisers. Yes, I do. Because Mike restores Toyota Land Cruisers. That's his side gig. He loves it. It's his passion. Um, and he's got me on the Toyota train with the Forerunner. He he talked me. He didn't talk to me. He didn't you didn't have to talk me into that very hard, did you? No. I mean, I was pretty up on it. No, I had a nice Forerunner, and, he, and I said, "Hey, would you be interested in a Forerunner?" And um, and then you showed, the it and me, showed it to me, and you did uh, the, it needed some body work, so mm -hmm. you took care of that. Yeah, I took care and, of that. And basically, I flew into Memphis, mm -hmm. and then you picked me up, mm -hmm. and next thing we know. Uh, we're having pizza on Friday night pizza night Friday at Salazar house. That's right. And then next day I drove it home yeah. and, um, I didn't drive it all the way home. It was 16 hours, but I drove it to our, our whitetail lease in Kansas did some work and then drove it on home. So, and it's been awesome. It's been a great little truck, but I'm not ready for a land cruiser quite yet. I know you'll still you'll, work on it. You'll graduate yeah, to yeah, land cruiser. Evolve. I'll get to, I'll mature. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the pro level. So foreigner. let's just talk real quick about expectations of this hunt for you, Mike. You knew you drew it. What were you thinking this was going to be like? Yeah, that's a good question. I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I knew Gunnison. I'd been driven through Gunnison when, on the way to um, Salt Lake from... Um, We'd go home for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that in graduate school. And so we, I had, we'd driven that many times. So we like to take different routes. So I'd driven through Gunnison once and, and onto Montrose. And so I'd seen the country, but just from the highway. And it looked like beautiful country. Um, but I, I knew that Trevin's going to, he's going to take care of that, you know, of he'll know where to go. And I didn't know Tanner. You had told me about him. Right. So I just Trevin will take care of that. My cousin, uh, Terry, lived around here, and he said that this was a good unit for deer. And um, so I said, oh, yeah. I, even if we don't see any deer, we don't get a deer, just being together is a right. blast. Right. Uh, every time we're together, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I just don't think many people have those lifelong friends, and uh, it's a real benefit to have them. And so anytime we get together, it's just, uh, you know, it's more than just rehashing old times. It's also just seeing what's going on in one another's lives and, and just supporting one another. So it's been great. I knew we'd have a good time, and it's been great. And Dave, when was the last time you two hunted together? Because you guys came up and hunted elk. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So probably about 10 years ago. Yeah, it was 2013. 2013. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we, we came into Montrose, and we had a couple over-the-counter either-sex um, elk, elk tags. Elk right? tags, that's right. So we ended up doing really good that year. We ended up both um, bagging a, 
uh, bulls. Um, so that was a very successful yeah, two five by fives. Yeah, it was great. And you had guys had a, a pretty gnarly <laughs> pack out. Luckily, you had some mules to help. Yeah, you. Right. There was no way. Yeah, because it was, you know, it was and, in this country, growing up in New Mexico, we talked about this on the hunt a lot. Growing in New Mexico, big country is little country to this country, right? In comparison, yeah. we're glassing across 500 yards to the next ridge line. Maybe that's a big canyon or draw. Here, it's 1,500 yards right. or even more. Yeah. So you might be glassing at deer that you're not going to get to from where you're at. You're going to have to work around. You know, so it's a different technique. Well, this whole glassing thing is very different. Um, we grew up hunting, and um, you would have two guys on different sides of the ridge, and you'd have the one guy going down the draw and spooking the deer out. Hoping to get a shot. Hoping to get a shot. Because, and let's be honest, mule deer are known for their little paws and look back. Yeah, that's right. And that's when you were down on one knee. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, I talked about this earlier. We didn't have binoculars around our chest. We looked through our scope. That's right. right. Exactly. That's, that was our optic. Mm -hmm. We didn't know any better. Yeah. And we killed a lot of deer. Yeah. Now, I look back and I go, man, if I knew what I know now, yeah. I'd have killed a lot bigger deer. Yeah. Because they were there. Well, sure. yeah, you just don't know what you don't know. Right. You don't you don't see the animals when they're bedded, and then they see you, and they're bump, 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 they're over the ridge. And you it, never you, even you never you never even know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. or if you take your time and get underneath the tree and survey the land, you can see. Then you can make a game plan, stalk, and harvest. Yeah. So last time we've the three of us were together, was it we were all? I, was it the year? Were we in high school or was it the year after high school? You mean together to hunt? When we hunted the last time together, the three of us no, hunted together. No, no, the last time we hunted together was quail hunting in southern New Mexico. No, but I'm talking about deer. Big yeah. game. Wasn't it the camp where we yeah. went up? I think we were like 17, maybe. So, so were we still maybe in high school? Before yeah, we, we were still in high school. Okay, last so, time we, so we, were get, we, were, we were seniors then. Yeah, yeah. And we went deer hunting. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was uh, a trip that is very special to me because I normally went with my grandpa. And for some reason, I don't know if Grandpa was ill or, or I don't remember, we didn't go. Yeah. And so you guys invited me. Yeah. Because we'd never hunted deer together. We'd hunted and we a never lot hunted of quail. the unit. We, where That's we, right. It you was guys were in a total new. new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll share this story. I shared it with the guys earlier, and we laughed about it, and they made fun of me, of course. But um, I wanted uh, – imagine this. You pull into a camp, and there was – five or six trailers some yeah, tents 15 guys yeah and and the food any i mean pozole and i mean right. red chili pork and i mean just the food was phenomenal you could go to separate different rv or different trailers or tents there was a poker game going i mean it was just the epitome of camp life and the three of us were wanted to kill a deer I mean, we were there to deer yeah, hunt. Sure. We had fun, but we were there. Some of the other guys, <clears throat> mm, if they got up and walked out of camp and they saw a deer, they'd shoot it. But pretty much they were there for the experience of, of the camp life. And I, we, we kind of went our separate ways. I remember I wanted to hunt alone. You mm -hmm. guys went together. We did, right? yeah. Um, and I didn't know the country. You didn't know the country. And it's it's thick country. Mm -hmm. It's not open like this. Maybe there was some open areas if we would have known to glass more. Yeah. So we would do a lot of working through country, different sides of the ridges, or uh, mm -hmm. midday, we'd, we'd basically silently stalk through bedding areas mm -hmm. trying to get a shot. And I shot a buck. A buck stood up in front of me, and I could see its legs, and then it moved into my, uh, an open shooting lane and paused and looked at me. 
it wasn't 60 yards and I shot it they went right down I just remember how proud I was man I'm gonna show the guys I'm gonna you know because <laughs> it was the first time I had ever hunted deer I wanted to show you guys man I, I didn't want to deer hunt and so I do my due diligence get my tag on it gut it right because back in the day that's all right. we did we gutted and we dragged everything out this whole idea of of I didn't even have a backpack. Maybe I had a fanny pack. You know, mm -hmm. it's just some water and maybe some oh, candy yeah. bars or, or trail For sure. granola bars. Very simplistic. And um, and then I ended up hanging at my hat in the tree. So again, I could reference it from different areas, in theory. And then I put my a shirt on the carcass because yeah, this is the human spell. Smell would, in theory, hope hopefully keep the gods away. But I wasn't going to get this deer out by myself. I wasn't going to drag it out. So I come out to get you guys, and we get up. I walk into camp. I remember I, I was kind of difficult finding my way out of there. I knew the main ridge, and you know I'm working. I'm, I'm not thinking about uh, even taking some toilet paper out and using toilet paper on a limb or something to to, to flag myself down that last ridge line. No, I'm so excited. I want to get out and right. come get you guys and come get. So I walk into camp. I'm bloody, probably to my elbows, and I probably have smears on my face and. I walk in, and everybody's like, you killed one? And I said, yeah, I, I killed one. He's, I, I need some help getting him out. And you guys are like, come on. You just killed a rabbit. Yeah, Put I remember blood this. On. Really right. <laughs> now the real story's coming out. <laughs> He's got a rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I just remember going, come on, let's go get him. And I think there was like four or five other guys that went yeah. with us. I mean, we had plenty of crew to mm -hmm. get him out of there. Right. And uh, I couldn't find him. I got up on that main ridge and I couldn't find which finger I'd gone off of and then the bench that I shot him on and I thought I had the hat hanging where I could see it and we looked for all afternoon mm -hmm. and then I think you guys went ahead and went back and went hunting that evening and yeah. I kept looking and I never found that buck and that was the most embarrassing thing <laughs> well there's a buck out there wearing your hat <laughs> with my tag on it that's right <laughs> And your shirt. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I always wondered, somebody's found that buck. Well, oh, my yeah. freaking tag is in it. If it was me, I would look, try and look that person up and say, hey, I found your deer. Yeah. But apparently they didn't. They probably got it skull, you know, yeah. European mounted and my tag's still on it. <laughs> but, uh, and then you had an opportunity, you know, and it was just one of those times where things happened quick and, and, uh, but that was, that was fun. Yeah. But that was 35 years ago. If yeah. we were 17... It was over thirty over thirty five years ago. That's right. Mm -hmm. So that kind of sets the scene for this this trip. So Dave, talk us through. Tanner comes, picks you up, airport. Let's let's just kind of talk through the days and and ex share the experience. Yeah, yeah. So um, so Mike and I we met in Denver. Our flights uh, came in at the same time, so we were able to to catch up on the plane to Montrose. Uh, got into Montrose, uh, real small airport. Um, and Tanner was right there, picked us up, um, drove us. Did he have a sign? No. God, Tanner. But I did tell him, hey, look for the two um, dorky old guys, and he knew right away. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, picked us up, uh, Got went to the grocery store, um, picked up all our, our food for the week, and then we made it out here, and here you were with the uh, Hilton on wheels here. Um, <laughs> perfect. I mean, it was, it was just a... It, it beat our expectations, for right? Sure. I mean, I just got to say real quick, the, the gear that you have in the setup, um, it makes it being like being at home. Right. And so um, very comfortable here. 
um, but we're out in the we're out in the middle of the mountains, right? And so, um, just a beautiful area. Yeah, and 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 to fill in a little gap on our side, Corey and I pulled in. We left. I left the house at four thirty, met up with Corey at probably five thirty, and we got up here. And my whole reason was the hunt that was opening day so we were actually going to hunt a little if we could maybe last a little opening day but it was you know kind of saturday to saturday type of thing mm -hmm. and so but i knew people we are going to have already been in here and set up camp and i was like man i don't want a crappy roadside you know where the highway's 30 mm -hmm. you know 30 feet away right. i wanted some ambiance you know some a camping site mm -hmm. well Corey and i almost found this place the very first time we drove up this road and we were literally 100 yards from here and we turned around because we thought oh, it's getting too rough because i pull i got a, a pickup and i pull a 16 foot enclosed trailer with my ranger and all the gear um after a couple of back and forth with tanner we we looked at some other areas and he's told us you just need to go further and we did we just went a little further and found this great spot up on this ridge line mm -hmm. and um you know, we run uh, a Davis wall tent. It's, it's huge. It's 26 by whatever the normal width of a wall tent is. It's got a wood-burning stove. Um, and then we run cots, sleeping pads, and sleeping zero-degree bags. You pretty much, with this t stove, it could be zero degrees outside as long as you kept the stove going. You're fine. Right. And, um, and it's just comfortable. <clears throat> well, because of all our camera gear, we run a little generator. So, are we really roughing it? No, because we're also charging our phone up here. We had cell service. We could check in with the family. So it, it was it was nice. It's definitely the ambiance of of a of a deer hunt, but it wasn't without the dis, you know without losing contact with all humanity. So that was cool. That was cool. Mm -hmm. So the first night we even got a chance to glow glass. Mike, take us through. You know that was the, that was your first thing, right? So you asked me bring me a backpack and let me borrow some binos yeah yeah so yeah so that would be saturday evening we got things set up and we went out on the ridge just not far from the tent and uh, i started glassing it was my first time glassing no experience glassing at all and so i had some binos and i was uh, holding them <laughs> checking out you know here and there and over there and over here and um i get motion sickness very easily so if i watch youtube videos i like to watch hunting videos and this just a self-filming type thing i'll often get motion sickness because the camera's jostling around so i'm sitting there with this and it's kind of chilly and so i'm you know maybe shaking a little looking over here looking over there and uh pretty soon i feel like i'm getting sick <laughs> I think I might need to go look at see that tree over there. <laughs> so, so, so I think it was Corey who who or who gave me the stick, you know, to to put the binos. I don't remember, but uh, in in said, no no no, you got to hold it steady. Or you told me no no, you got to put it on a stick and hold it because I was just holding my hands uh, and tripod, to, yeah. to yeah. to stabilize it. Right. The, the, the tripods, yeah, and that made all the difference in the world. Yeah. Uh, that was really nice, and so then I could kind of start to uh, look around and I had watched some you know other hunts and kind of the technique for for glassing I'm not you know necessarily following it I just like oh that looks like a good spot over there and then I'll check it out I don't like grid you know I wasn't doing that but I did I did see a deer that evening and Tanner of course probably saw 20 um, but um, but he was or she or whatever it was was there and then gone 
Uh, but anyways, that was the first experience for that evening of, you know, hunting out here and glassing and all that. So and, it, it uh, only lasts maybe an hour or two. For me, one of the most exciting things for me, knowing where we were all raised the same way. I mean, uh, I, I, sh I shared this earlier that your dad, your uncles, your dad um, was very influential in my life of getting me excited about hunting because I was a young kid whose dad didn't hunt. Not rabbits, not squirrels, not quail, not deer. But my uncles did. But when I was young, I couldn't go with them yet um, until my dad saw my love for it and took me. But what started it was Mike's dad, Zeke Salazar. Shout out to Zeke, man. He was the man. And he just freaking, here's a shotgun. No, go go through hunter safety. Do, the, do these things. We'll go quail hunting. And I did. And then went quail hunting for the first time. And I I, I think even the first time I probably missed a, a hundred, but I think I even shot one at some juncture. Mm -hmm. uh, I just remember both of us. Yeah. We were young. Yeah. yeah. That was even before we met because Dave, we met Dave in junior high. Mike and I met in elementary school. Yeah. So, um, so that, that was huge for me. So what was exciting was I've come up here, you know, started the show, done this. I've been doing this for 20 years now and changed, learned a lot and have changed everything. Even when I hunt with my cousins now and stuff, there's things I'm teaching them. Hmm. Not that they're not good hunters, but again, it's the old way versus here's how you do it. You don't let you, you don't, you don't wear your boots out. You let your optics do your walking for you really mm -hmm. and it's so successful especially in big country so um i was excited to ha show you this it's like i had this new secret you know that i that i could share with you guys that that wasn't the way we did it growing up so it was kind of cool and uh and dave we tried to give him actually i gave him some <laughs> binoculars that were broken i just wanted to see if he would even say anything <laughs> they worked great and he was fine it's like i'm not even gonna glass um but that first night came in and went and then, and then it was you know it was okay what's the plan here well we got to find a big buck tanner knew this area and um so we just started the next day we got up early and started popping in places right right yeah take it from there we, we pretty much do yeah, so I guess this would be Sunday morning. Yeah. We uh, we got up and jumped in the 4Runner. Shout out to Toyota again. Um, got in the 4Runner and drove up high. Got into more snow than we had here at camp. And um, didn't really see anything. Um, saw some, uh, some bighorn sheep on a distant ridge. Um, but uh, I don't think we did see anything that morning. We saw some folks that had killed one, mm -hmm. but um, maybe Tanner saw somebody. I don't remember seeing any of my binos or anything that morning. But then um, that, uh, that afternoon, we went to a new spot. And uh, more like what I was familiar with in hunting uh, in southern New Mexico, around um, behind Alamogordo on Long Ridge and Alamo Canyon, West Side Road area. Um, where it's more uh, deep canyons, uh, not as much cover. Um, let, for you Coloradans, let me let me translate. When he says deep canyons, we call them small draws in Colorado. But well, it, but it's sage. Yeah, it's smaller vegetation. Yeah, rolling into 
Arroyos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have a lot of little fingers coming off right. of that, and we're used to that. Yeah, more visibility. Yeah. And so um, we had seen deer just driving off the road that afternoon, and we got out there um, where you could kind of survey off into Gunnison and um, with the, the uh, as you explained, the, the Arroyos and the canyons and... Um, and I had and I had this one picked out. Uh, oh, this looks. If I was a deer, I'd want to be in that canyon. Okay, and so, so I had been talking about it. Like, oh, that looks really good to me. Blah blah blah. And uh, so Tanner went. Something else looked good to him. I thought, okay, well, we'll let Tanner go over there. And I decided I was going to go off to the right and look in that canyon. And uh, nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> Trevin went with me and and humored me. And we didn't see anything. It looks it's still a beautiful country. Oh, and, yeah. and then we uh, we started walking back, and Tanner was telling us to hurry up. He was waving us back, and he was getting his gun, so we knew he was serious. Yeah, he's getting the gun out of the truck for you because yeah. we weren't we weren't wa- we weren't walking around with a gun. We no. were literally glassing. We were glassing. Yeah. This is new technique of yeah. glass. Find them. Yeah. You know, this is yeah. the evening. You know, make a stock. You got an hour, whatever. And and uh, we didn't see anything, but Tanner did. So what, wasn't that like six, a sunset was uh, like 610, and mm-hmm. I think uh, last shooting light was like six, I, I don't remember. Was that right? Or was I don't remember. Last, maybe, maybe 630 was last light, uh, last legal hunting light, and it was, so sunset was six. And this is right about five, four, we don't have much no, time. No, no, it was about five, probably we had an hour to, by the time we saw Tanner, and he's like, okay, there's one down here. And, uh, you know, trying to figure out, probably took 10 minutes trying to figure out what to do. And then we had to, we had to stalk it. And it was in a place where you had, you couldn't just go over the ridge because it would see you. So we had to go around. And by the time we got to the part where we had to go down, we probably had maybe 20 minutes of daylight left. And then we had to go down and around and, and around it up the other side. Yeah. And in um, consulted Corey, it was really like, trying to talk about the benefits of waiting until the morning. And, and Corey, uh, as a cameraman, you're sitting there going, I'm going to lose freaking light here. I'm oh. going to lose light. And, and you know, you might be able to still shoot the deer and it might be legal, but it's, the footage is going to be junk. Yeah. Every time you're trying to film something, it takes a little bit longer to make sure <clears throat> the hunter set up <clears throat> and the camera set up so you can document everything. And it's not just like that split second decision. Oh, we have one minute of light left, let's just make it happen. You're trying to do multiple things at once. All right, yeah. Well, let me add some little color commentary. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually with Tanner looking down this draw. And so just kudos to Tanner, right? And you know, me being a, a domesticated person living in Austin, Texas, right? He can see things that it's just, it's, I can't even see him. Like, so we were sitting there, I'm probably about 15 yards from him. He sees a two point. He's like, oh, there's a small deer down there. I get eyes on it. Yep, that sure is about, probably about 1,400 yards. Um, and then out pops a three-point um, just out of nowhere. And, and it's just these things vanish, and they appear just like that. And then just shortly after that, we see the, the four-point walking towards the other two. So it's just amazing to see these animals just appear um, out of nowhere. You know, it's getting dusk. And so Tanner, I can immediately – he comes to me. He's like – we got a shooter. And so we get excited and he's like, I'm going to go get the guys cause we're running out of light. And so we got it. You know, I left, I was there just continuing to watch the deer and it was neat seeing them because they were, they were kind of just three of them together and they were 
kind of sparring or you know just yeah. kind of wrestling with each other you know with their horns and not a doe in the country not a doe in the country just these three bucks just hanging out loose um pretty well um you know away from everything else so it was just amazing to see that um but unfortunately yeah um by the time tanner got to you guys we made this we made the decision that it was a little bit too late to pursue especially we, that early on in the hunt too it's yeah, like it's, you know, it's, blow a, it's a, out. our first full day mm-hmm. we have it's you know a set of scales you might have been able to get in there and shoot him recovery everything would have been in the dark mm-hmm. it, you know not ideal uh footage is going to be marginal which you guys have never filmed so it's that's not a big deal for yeah. you guys but for us it's kind of kind of big deal we're trying to to produce something here <laughs> and then but what if we never see him again mm. that's the other what thing what if we spook him and yeah he's gone nah, what if we go down there we spook him and now he's gone if we leave him alone we run the risk of never seeing him again but the but knowing bucks and this time of the year they're either going to start moving in with the does and running or they're going to stay in their little hole and we're at the end of the road. So to get to this place, you either have to walk from the main highway, a mile, mile, whatever. Not a hard walk, but people aren't going to do it. And Or you have to take that road all the way around, which is what we had done, and drop into that draw. Or that little yeah. Yeah, that little flat. And it's more deserty looking. So I don't. I think if you're hunting from the road and, and you don't know better, you'd pass it by and you think, well, the deer aren't going to be there because right. it, there's not a lot of cover. Whereas above, there's all kinds of cover, and you just it looks more hospitable for deer. And so you don't right. necessarily think, okay, well they're going to be where there's just sagebrush. We'll get Tanner to come jump in here and give us two cents two here in a sec. Um, but I think we made the right call. But we knew we all knew we were running the risk of okay let's leave let's assume he's going to still be in here we'll come back in here tomorrow pick him up right. and we'll kill him that was that was the thing i think we were all pretty high oh yeah it's a great night that evening let's be honest this is the best buck we'd seen by far and even with some of the other bucks that we'd seen people shoot they were shooting smaller bucks mm-hmm. so we were pretty stoked mm-hmm. so sure. uh we come back to camp and i want to real quick make a little caveat do we eat good or what? Oh, yeah. So Mike was in charge of the menu. I was in charge of camp and some of the logistics. Mike was in charge of the menu. <clears throat> Dave was comedy relief <laughs> and, and moral support. Um, and so Mike had uh, uh, he'd made some red chili from uh, the red chili down in southern New Mexico that we grew up on. And first some, make some pasoli and some different stuff. So we were eating like kings. So we'd come back. And it gets dark early, so it wasn't like we're coming back at 10.30 and then having to make dinner. We'd come back, we'd make dinner, we'd eat, talk, and by then it was 9, 9.30. Okay, let's go to bed. Um, not necessarily tearing up the partying, right? Because yeah. we want to get up the next morning, 4.45, 5 yeah. o'clock, make coffee, um, take care of business, and, and hit the road. Um, so the next morning we had a plan. Right. And I remember we were talking, okay, we timed ourselves getting out of there because mm-hmm. we wanted to be right there at first light. Take it from there. Yeah, so uh, we get there. Um, we leave camp uh, with plenty of time to get to the spot where, where we were the night before. Uh, we set up. Um, we get down to the same spot where we glassed them before, and uh, we get snoops on it. And uh, unfortunately, they weren't they weren't there when we, when we thought. And so you know, we well, continue. they were they weren't easy to find right away. Yeah, which we, we, we really thought we were going to pop up there, and old Tanner, aka Snoops, was going to 
Oh, there they go. Got them. And then we were going to make a plan. Right. Because by now, you had a set of 15s or 18s on a, on tripods. You were glassing off all of the, We had four sets of tripod. And then Corey, when he wasn't filming, was also glassing. Mm -hmm. We had five guys scouring from a good vantage point. And we had even moved to an area that we could see more country. Right. You know, the folds and stuff. We we didn't see a deer. Right. All day. It was a long we, day. We committed. We didn't see a bug. We saw does, right? No. No. Well, we well, saw does coming well, that, that in. That afternoon. In the evening. In the, in the evening. other draw. In the we other saw draw. the does. Mm -hmm. and, and, we, and a little forky. And yeah. we saw that those elk back up on that mm -hmm. other hillside, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But, we're driving but again, yeah. we're, we're looking here, and we're expecting this yeah. mature buck with his yeah. little three-point buddy and maybe that other two-point, mm -hmm. and that's the only deer. We, we got skunked. Yeah, nothing. And I could see it in Mike's eye. Mike's, Mike's like, okay. Now. Well, I was, I was second guessing the decision not to go. Sure. I was thinking, yeah. We wasted half a day. Yeah, we, we could well, have been. Going. Well, we, yeah, we wasted an entire day. And when really, maybe we should have pressed a little harder the, the earlier evening, you know, that day before. Right. But. Yeah. And even Dave, you, you said something. You thought, you know, if we would have, if we would have sent Mike with Tanner right away. He probably, we probably could have got down on that buck because that would have saved us the 30 minutes it took a transit and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what what's done was done, right? right. Yeah. yeah. And and if you, when Tanner comes in, he can he can address this. He's, he's putting some stuff up in the truck. Um, if that was a 190, 200 inch, I mean, once in a lifetime buck, which you're, you know, which is, is really rare. Um, then Tanner would have go ahead jump in Tanner Tanner uh, would have and, and he'll address this he probably would have sat on that spot every day if it was a 190 200 inch buck he, we would have been doing that every day because we were pretty confident they didn't leave that right Tanner yeah yeah it's uh, the way they were <clears throat> the way they were acting there it was still a, kind of a bachelor herd of deer basically and they didn't they obviously felt secure there and so i didn't think i mean obviously it's i mean today's what november 3rd so it's getting close to where they would start to look around especially the but the older bucks seem like they always wait a little longer too they don't get overzealous like the like the little bucks and go chasing does around before it's time so but the way the way they were acting the three bucks together they felt secure there wasn't a lot of pressure. I mean, they. I just figured they had to be just hanging out right in there. And there were so many little areas, and we split up during the day, or, or maybe it's that afternoon, we even split mm -hmm. up more split so up. we could cover different angles. Um, That's when I went over the ridge and spotted those you know, six to eight deer and one forky. Right, right. Yeah. So we were, we had a good plan. I mean, I don't, I don't think we made a mistake, but it was end of the day and you're coming out takes it took us just over an hour and you're like okay did we waste half a day well it, it was what it was so on the road i think even on the trip back we're like let's go look at some new country tomorrow yeah, yeah. so again ate like kings right um had some laughs <clears throat> got in the got in the sack and then we're up early well we but, were exhausted because it was so windy that day oh that's right and trying to glass, glass I, I remember talking all day long my eyes i if it would have been dusty i would have looked like i'd been crying because yeah. my eyes were watering just with yeah. that you know and you're trying to hold your optics we're on binoc uh, uh we're on uh tripods can't even think of the word 
but you're still it's just that little shake and yeah it'll wear you out we were pretty tired so the next day tanner said hey we got a couple areas closer we're gonna look at so we we got out of here we slept in a little bit but we it was okay because it was so much closer and we went and we saw deer yeah you know uh even came up on those guys that had shot that little three-point probably right off the road and were trying to drag it up and block the road and you know a little two track and so um but nothing really i mean we really didn't see another oh man look at that buck how do we get to him we didn't really even have that yeah yeah now what are you thinking so here we are this is day three mm-hmm. we do more hopping around which probably allows us to cover more country but wh- wh- where's your mind at now are you like ah oh, crud yeah I, I just kept thinking back you know that that deer we had uh we give them a day where we hadn't been in there and it's very unlikely that anybody else had been in there and so i was thinking i think we should go back and just check it out you know see if if he's back i think you told me i said i think you told me let's go back in there in the morning yeah let's give it a look if it's not there then let's go somewhere yeah, else again. i did, i want to spend all day glassing again <laughs> right yeah that, <laughs> i was yeah. i was yeah. good with and we didn't doing that. we didn't pack a lunch that day <laughs> mm-hmm. so we had our morning burrito and that was it to carry us through the day mm-hmm. so all of us were a little bit hungry that day too yeah. dave where are you at on this i mean what are you thinking because the idea that you and i might get an elk tag we'd only seen one group of elk Right. So, I mean, we had kind of made the mental decision that if Mike got his buck earlier in the hunt, I would get an elk tag, being that we'd have plenty more days to hunt. But with that next day now, we're now into the third day of hunting. We're like, well, we don't know if this is going to work out. And we had snow in the forecast. Right. Snow was coming in. The it was supposed to be, you know, Thursday. which is today is that day. And it is snowing as we speak. Um, in the wall tent doing this podcast and it's snowing outside so we we were concerned it was going to hinder our access and and maybe even hinder our glassing so we're like okay third day we got the fourth day then the snow hits right so there's a little bit of time crunch there right so we we basically told mike and tanner quit messing around right <laughs> let's let's get a buck yeah okay we've hunted now let's kill yeah right. we've seen enough right so we got up again early we head in there mm-hmm. but the plan now is let's go directly see if we can spot him and boom we got out there i don't think we'd been glassing that long uh, not that long and i i i mean i'm just doing what i normally do which is i check the obvious places first and um again we're in sage there's a couple of little arroyos or or you know you could call them little draws or little runoffs and there's some cottonwoods growing in there and so i'm you had seen the first bucks i think around a little cottonwood patch that first night yep so i'm just looking and i'm just kind of following the way that draw comes down and there's a little flat and i see a deer and then there's two deers two deers two, two deers. deers hey did we talk about this elks. I know we did. Elks. deer is singular and plural don't say don't add an s <laughs> i'm i'm an ad i'm a i hate it when people do that and i just did it sorry about that and we see two two deer and then tanner's like that back one's the, the big buck that's the three point in the big buck so now we've spotted them that was cool right it was totally cool yeah yep and they were just wandering around i mean making a their way toward the the draw with the cottonwoods and taking their time and eating and fighting on the way and they the sun was not on them yet they're in the shade of the canyon and um you know it was fun to watch them 
And the cool thing is we don't have two other groups of hunters on other ridges like we've been seeing mm-hmm. on other other places. I mean, we'd go and we would see three, four sets of hunters in the same, mm-hmm. you know, draw that we're, we're glassing. Right. Beautiful country, yeah. lots of hunters. Yeah. So we were scared a little bit because there was one time they started to, if they went over this little saddle on this little, I mean, it's literally just a little roll, we would lose sight of them. And, the, you know, then Tanner and, and Mike would probably have had to go reconnect or something we had to keep eyes on them mm-hmm. and they didn't they turned and came right to where we were and the perfect perfect scenario we watched that big buck bed dave and i set up optics and we could see him we could stink right. and see him anytime how, we wanted how far what was the distance from the top yeah uh 1500 1500 yeah. so you're sitting behind a pair of Swarovski 15s which are tanners and i'm sitting behind mine mm-hmm. i have my Swarovski spotting scope you were looking through i think we had some mavens 18 mm-hmm. so we can see these clearly mm-hmm. and you can make this buck out doing this now for most people that hunt mule deer they understand explain the situation of the morning bed and the day bed yeah so normally they normally as the sun is rising it depends on the weather and the how hot it is and all this stuff as to how long they'll stay on their feet but a lot of times they'll they'll pick a bed in the morning around nine or ten depending on the the weather and the heat and then as the sun goes through the sky and you know like more to the west in the afternoon then that that bedding spot that they've picked to block them from the sun in the morning is normally in full sun. So then they'll get up and rebed into a, a different spot, usually on like an east facing side of something where they're out of the out of the sun. So and and a lot of times they'll get up and feed a little bit and rebed and reposition. So we knew that they were gonna move at some point from that spot because at three o'clock in the afternoon where they were bedded, they were just gonna be full size. And even when it's, <clears throat> I mean, yesterday it was a high of 55 or something, which doesn't yeah. seem hot, but it's hot for uh, for a deer that's got his yeah, winter coat. full winter coat, yeah. So um, Dave and I are set. So the plan is after some deliberation and some look at the wind and how do we come, the idea was for Mike to put himself in a position within shooting range, prone, so when that buck got up, you would have a good shot. So we had, do we go to the top of the other ridge and shoot down on him? But explain, why is that more difficult? Well, it's just, it was going to be close to 600 yards from the top, which you would have got a good rest and everything, but that's just, I mean, the my gun is very capable of that, but what is your gun? Explain what your gun is. Uh, so my gun's a custom-built 6.5 SOM built by my good friend Jeremiah Greenfield, and it's super accurate. has a super nice Night 4 scope on it, um, and I shoot that thing out to 1,000, 1,200 yards all the time. But, I mean, that's good practice, but for animals, you just you want to get as close in. That's what we were like, mm, we, could probably, we could probably shoot him from there, and... But if we can get closer, why wouldn't we? And we don't, it's, you know, it's always a, there's just a bigger risk when the, the longer the bullet flight is, the more stuff that can go wrong. So, and we wanted to just be one and done on this thing. So I think a lot of people now, there's kind of a trend where you have a long range rifle and custom built maybe. 
from somebody. yeah and and you just that all of a sudden makes you qualified to shoot a long ways and even like a a good sh- a good shot like mike made an awesome shot but he's never shot my gun before and you know due to the flights and stuff it was just easier f- to use my gun than to bring a gun but if you don't have i've had you know i think i've put i put north of 400 maybe north of 500 rounds through that gun um since it was built and he has zero so i mean not that he couldn't do it it's just yeah. we want to do this right and our going back to our our shots a long shot was 250 yeah, right, yeah. yeah 300 was yeah. that was way out there yeah. so your your mindset because you haven't been shooting targets at yeah. a thousand yards I'd like to get within 300. I remember well, you kind of, that yeah. was kind of what you were well, thinking. Well, for me, it was, there were two things, two considerations. The the first being at the top of the canyon, the benefit of that would be they're not going to see us. We can easily, we could even drive the truck close to where we would want to shoot, and they definitely are not going to see us. They're down in the draw. It's a long shot. I didn't like that. But I also didn't like the fact, there are two things with that, is that... Um, if he stood up, there's a chance we don't see him because he could easily stand up and we don't have a vantage point from the top to be able to make a shot or we don't see him. We have to wait for him to move into a shooting lane or something. And it, whereas if we're on the other side, it's a, it's not, it's a rolling hill. We definitely have a clear shot on him. The second thing was, and I know that Trevin didn't quite like this, but for me, um, let's suppose I missed the first shot and they, they, see where we are or you know they go opposite direction of where the shot comes from well then they're just going up that rolling hill and they could be over the top of that rolling hill in 10 seconds at a full run and you know maybe they don't look back i don't have a second shot whereas if we're on the other side i've got a clear shot if we can get in there without them seeing us that's the risk um and if they do the other thing where they i miss and they jump up and go the opposite direction. Well, now they're going up a canyon. And that's going to take a lot. I've got a lot more opportunity for a second shot. If they stop, they get tired, and they look back. I've got another opportunity. So those were the things I was considering. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the distance. I liked the distance closer to the, you know, on on the rolling hillside. Uh, But I also didn't like the fact that if he stood up and he walked, I didn't feel confident that I would have good visual of him. Okay. That's good. And, and you, you guys, follow-up shots out of long range are are hard, right? Because at 600 yards, 50 yards makes a difference in your bullet drop. So you're having to readjust. So if he gets up and runs out, if you're at 600, he runs out to 650 and stops again. It's not the same hold. It might be close, but your bullet is the further out it goes, right. the slower it gets. The more it's dropping so that's just a tough deal so there's some calculations you have to do i think the other thing that was great about it was the fact that um you took the time you pulled back from where we were glassing and laid down got behind and just did some dry fire on some 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 objects that were 400 500 yards away just to be able to pull through that trigger mm-hmm. and not see that scope move at all oh yeah, yeah. It gained some confidence oh yeah it is beautiful beautiful gun now yeah. uh, so you, issue. you did that and and then um so the the team it was team uh mike tanner and Corey. 
and of course Corey's got uh, he's about 85 pounds of camera gear on his back. Yeah, shout out to Corey because yeah. he had a full deer on his back the whole time we're hunting. Right, he was. Yeah. Uh, he's I helping. looked at his pack one day. I was like, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We don't. We our camera guys are. Uh, yeah, you have to. They have to be able to to ruck some stuff. Um, and and Dave and I were Overwatch. Right. We we probably had the hardest job. Let's just be honest. Yeah, right? yeah. Our back got I, a little spasm. Yeah, for a little I bit. Know. my neck. I got yeah, that yeah. crick in my neck. Yeah, looking through the scope. Yeah, and of course the heat's coming up. I remember Dave and I are stripping <laughs> off clothes. Guys, hot up here, you know. And so they the move around, and you guys couldn't just go down and up and over. You had to go all the way back, drop down into the draw, just to avoid and come all the way around. And it took you, I think, forty minutes to get to where we could see you. Yeah. And um, the line of communication was, okay, he's still there. So you guys moved up. And then uh, I remember how excited Dave and I were when we said, oh, there they are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's actually a surreal moment, right? Because, you know, we're so far away from the deer, and we see these guys, they, they, we lose sight of them, you know, because they're, they're starting their stock. But once we see them, when they're getting closer to a vantage where they can get to see the deer, it's just neat, you know, because it's almost like you're behind uh, like a, a movie, like you're in a movie, right? And <laughs> you're like, watching it unfold. Right. And so, you know, you see them going back and forth, you know, contemplating the shots, contemplating being able to see, you know, a good line of sight of the deer and then them get into position. It's really neat. Yeah. And we're at the same time, again, the, it's the heat is right. And 55 degrees isn't that hot, but looking through optics at 1500 yards, there's heat waves. Mm -hmm. And this buck, we can see him clearly in the coolness of the morning. Now, let's real quick talk about the three-point. The three-point we knew had also gone into the same draw embedded, but we could not see him, which we weren't concerned with other than if he was between you guys. He, he might actually see you stand up and cause exactly. a problem. So that was an issue, but we couldn't see him. So we're watching this buck, and, I mean, there was a point to where uh, the, the, the heat waves were so bad, I got my spotting scope out because the 15s, I couldn't. I'm looking at tines that are glimmering as he's moving his head. And then he laid his head on the ground. And there was one thing, through the spotting scope, ah, we lost him. But we knew he didn't because he hadn't stood up. Mm -hmm. And then he stands up. And he stands up and we're like, oh, so I'm trying to let you guys know, hey, that buck is standing up and you're working up. You're not, he's not in your view. You're not in his view. He literally turns, pause a little bit, lays right back down, just the opposite. And now he's, now he's even harder to see for us probably was easier for you because he laid with that his front in that opening of you but he blocked us well again i'm still watching antler tips and then i see tanner separate from you guys and what he was doing was going down and around to relocate and find where we're going to shoot this guy from and i'm i'm telling because i've hunted with tanner so long i i can look and i go okay here's what he's doing and I, so i'm commentating to dave to tell him oh tanner's going to come around you guys are held back you and Corey are kind of just posted up and then soon here comes tanner back around and i understand there was a conversation between you two uh oh no maybe it was even when you went to look for the deer you wanted to go well i just felt like i probably shouldn't be more than 10 20 seconds out i know Corey's laughing at this but 10 20 seconds out from tanner because if for whatever reason and i explained this to tanner said so, you know if if that buck sees you and he jumps and starts moving, you need to be able to say, get up here. And uh, <laughs> Tanner said, he, he's not going to see me. 
<laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, I'm, I'm better sneaky, sir. Yeah. They don't call me snoops for nothing. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, it, which is true. The logic that you just said makes total sense. Yeah. So Tanner comes around, pops his head up, deer sees him, deer stands, looks at Tanner, boom, Mike, you shoot him. Yeah. Right? All, all in theory. Second thing is, no, fil- no, no film. film. No film. No, right? That's right. So, yeah. so, so it's a little different. Yeah. So we're everything sets up camera first. Tanner's not necessarily camera first, but Tanner does understand <laughs> when to get on camera. Tanner will um, kill a deer. That's what he, he's yeah. here. Uh, you know, his focus when he goes into, I'm, and I'm doing the, the quote unquote symbol. Air quotes. Uh, the air quotes. Uh, the guide mode. Tanner's deal is to get you the best possible shot because that's his his nature. That's why he loves to guide. Um, Corey, on the other hand, Corey's like, I gotta be able to see you, I gotta be able to see the deer. So they they make their little plan and pretty soon I see Corey set up. <laughs> and then you and I were laughing because we were going, what is Mike thinking? As their hand, up, literally on their knees, right. crawling up over this, and there's gotta be cactuses and all there this stuff, there. right? Which we're, that's fine for us because yeah, we, we, no I mean, we grew up and everything p- pokes or sticks you in New Mexico, right? Right. And you, you guys are working, but you, but to me, I'm like, they got to be within sight of that deer, because you're coming over a roll, but you're not stopping at the top. You are coming down to another little flap spot. Explain how what you guys could see. Yeah, when I went up to the top, I realized that it was going to be tough to see because even though the sagebrush there is pretty stunted on top of the hill from all the wind and stuff, um, it's still that the top of the hill rolled so gradually that you couldn't lay on the very top. You couldn't just peek over the top and shoot him because there's a brush in front of your barrel for sure and the hill rolls so the, so you would have to crawl over onto his side of the of the hill to actually be able to see and shoot him so i had to check a couple a couple of spots and finally kind of on the left side of this little knob that we're on there's a little bit of a dip that that took us out further to the edge of the hill because above the draw it it dropped off a little steeper and it also put us from about three 160 yards to almost dead nuts 300 so we got we got Corey set up where he could just see he could get the tripod high enough and that's the thing is we could have we could have shot him from the top sitting but at 360 yards that's just not prone would be much better yeah it's just not as it's not a great shot unless you have a big fancy tripod that you can lock down or whatever but so so we're gonna we go over the edge and uh um and uh the, we get down to this little dip and we have to crawl because if we're like even on our knees stand or you know sitting up on our knees i can see over the roll enough to see down into the bottom but we stayed hands and knees all the way down there and finally got to the edge where we could get a get prone and have a good good line of sight on him and uh dave just starts rolling laughing he's like i wonder what mike is thinking right now remember oh you mean trailing behind yeah. tanner yeah yeah he You're... was right behind him so he had a you know we've been five days in this tent yeah no he had a great show i didn't even charge him for that <laughs> and so so you have tanner on of course and you're taking the rifle because you're going to get that set up and going, and going, going, front, and, and we, you're in the front, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't want to crawl behind with a rifle. Yeah. And so, and so Mike's head is probably what two to three feet behind him. Right. Just 
all it is is the Tanner Show. It is nice. And Mike's soaking it up. What were you thinking, Mike? Wonderful view. Wonderful <laughs> Colorado he was, view. He, was, he understands now why my OnlyFans is popping. Hey, can you see Saturn? <laughs> can you see Saturn? All I can see is Uranus. <laughs> um, uh, what was that? It was from the Korskin Brothers, uh, uh, Cheech and Chong's Korskin Brothers, I think is the, yeah. uh, the yeah. line out of that movie. I'm at a point now, I'm like, when I saw you stop, and Mike, you crawled up next to him, and you got behind that gun, and you both—it could tell you both got comfortable. I'm like, this deer's gonna die. What I said to you, Dave, is he's gonna die here quickly, or he's gonna die when he stands up, and it might be three o'clock in the afternoon because you never know. Yeah. What time was it? Around 11:30? Yeah, I would oh, say. Yeah. What, wouldn't you? We started crawling probably close to 11, just after 11. Yeah, yeah. I think it was around 11:30. So. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to say that I, I was thinking in my mind because I know Mike really well, right? So I know he's got line of sight of this deer. It's bedded. So I'm, I'm sure he's wrestling with, I, I want to shoot this deer and it's bad, right? Versus, you know, being patient and waiting for this deer to stand up. I knew that was probably racing through his mind. And was it? No, not at all. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. I, in fact, we had quite a conversation. I was like... Because he he the the deer was bedded facing us. It was in the scope. He was looking right at me, uh, and he had his uh, front chest exposed on on his left side, and there was there was some sage, and we, Tanner and I were talking about you know the bullet exploding if you hit the sage. It's like, I think I can take this deer in his bed. Uh, I I think there's enough space to. Uh, to put one in there between the the bushes, and I I, th I looked and I there was this one little branch that was right there, kind of where, you know, I was aiming for. And uh, so I was telling, I, I I'm pretty sure I can take him in his bed. He's like, well, you know, he wasn't telling me no, but he was, was just talking about gently leading. Yeah, him he was gently. Yeah, he was gently leading me towards and letting I, him stand I, I'm up. Some, I'm not. My wife will tell you uh, subtlety. Uh, that's not my forte. Um, and so uh, sometimes it's better just to say no that's a dumb Especially idea about music yeah yeah, yeah. That's another, so <laughs> that's, that's another, another conversation another podcast so I can tell you about good country music and how it was ruined yeah. anyways uh, <laughs> uh, you know Tanner would have been better off to say that's a dumb idea I know he you know I, I like frank conversation like that you know and that's noted. fine noted yeah yeah and so um, uh, I, I, I thought uh, let's just be patient it's hard. You got the crosshairs right on him, and, and they're not moving because now you have a stable underneath the butt of the gun. Yeah. Oh yeah, we yeah. built a sick rest, man. I mean, you yeah, guys, it, it was you literally could have rocks. just yeah. put your finger on it and yes. touched it off, and it would have been right on. The it. problem was the buck was he was looking at us, but he was he was quartered to us, so he, so he wasn't was, straight. He wasn't straight on. He was wasn't broadside, but he was like this. He was like a 45 quarter to us with his head turned. So you can see his chest, but if you hit out there, you're not, you're going to go through, you're not getting, you need that shoulder. And there was like a, there was a sage right on his shoulder, which is where you need to put the bullet. You know, his whole back half was covered in sage, but the last, the last big sage was right on his shoulder. And it's, you know, a couple inches around with all the little branches. And I mean, that's kind of where you need to, if you shot him, if you could shoot him there in his bed, he probably would never have stood up. Um, but the front, it's just kind of your, it was, 
could have been good, could have went really bad. Yeah. And so, so, yeah. So when I had the gun set up, I had it spot on set up about two feet above him. Just waiting for him to stand up. So I didn't have it on him. Okay. He was at the bottom of my scope. I mean, I checked out the brush and all that right. in the center. But when I sit on the rocks, he was about two feet above him, spot on. And so uh, just waiting for him to stand. And so if he stood, I drop him. Yeah. Well, I remember, Dave, you were the one that said that three points up. Yeah. We didn't know where it was at. And all of a sudden, the three point appears. Right. So <clears throat> having experienced quite a few mule deer hunts, and bucks bedded sitting on him like that one stands up it's not usually very long especially with him feeding around like that um the other one will stand up and start feeding and i'm like oh, it's gonna happen and um so dave and i are like, now we're now we're front row center ready ready to rock mm -hmm. and from 1500 yards you can't really tell the topography as much what it turned out is there was a little rolling bowl knob and he was bedded on the other side, on the other side of the little drainage. So there is, he actually could walk down and out of our view. We didn't know this because when he, we watched him walk in and bed, he walked from the other side right to that bed and laid down. But we think it's going to pretty flat there and goes right up to that hill. We don't realize it's got that much elevation change in there. And I think you were the one that said he's up. Yeah, yeah. So the three-point had been up for a while, so it was just a matter of time before the four-point came up. And so sure enough, um, four-point came up, and so we, we kind of got ready. So he's up, walking around, which seemed like an eternity because we didn't hear a shot. So we were hoping that – so the deer was out of sight, the four-point. We couldn't see it anymore. Yeah, because when he stood up, he, he – He walked down. It took him – a little bit, right. but yeah, but he walked it out of our sight, and we're like, "Oh shoot!" And I said, "Don't worry, he's going to come up right on that knob, and Mike's, the other deer. Mike's gonna Mike's gonna pound him." Right. So, you know, unfortunately, but was, was which was cool is you know the the deer was out of sight, but I, I don't want to root for it, but go yeah, ahead and tell take it from, it from there. take it from there. So the yeah. deer's out of sight of us, but yeah. start from when he stood up. Yeah. For you. So he was laying there, and uh, and I was asking Tanner, "What's that three point doing? Is he still up? Is he still up? Yeah, he's still up." Because I was not paying attention to the three point at all. And so I, too, I thought, okay, well, there's a decent chance he's going to get up pretty soon. And uh, sure enough, he stood up, and I was ready to shoot him. Well, then he turned away from me and started walking. And I was like, I don't want to do a, a walking shot, you know. And he wasn't running. He was just, just walking, put his head down. And then he kind of went around a little bend, and, uh, and I had it right on him. And he put his head down and stopped. I can't shoot him with his head yeah, down. Yeah, because you face. shoot him right through the antlers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, he he came, and so he was originally about 290, I think is what you said. Yeah, 292. 292, was, was okay. bedded. 292 where he's bedded. So he got, came around, it was a little closer to us, and then he uh, put his head up and then started walking a little closer to us and stopped. And when he stopped, his chest, his front was exposed to me. No, no quartering away or anything. It was just, just straight frontal. on, mm -hmm. frontal, straight on. And uh, I put the crosshairs right in the middle of his chest and squeeze the trigger. And uh, <laughs> and so um, your gun has a muzzle, a brake. Mu muzzle brake. And so after I squeeze the trigger, all I see is dust. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking through the scope and I see dust. And so I had no idea what had happened. And uh, so... 
for like, I don't know, seemed like a minute, but really it's probably five seconds. And then I, the dust settled and I looked in the scope and uh, I see legs kicking. And uh, okay, I think he's down. And Tanner, he's down, but you know, chamber another round. So I chambered another round and uh, we sat there waiting. It was, he was visually just with, with eyes, you could see what looked like a rock and it was him. And, um, and he didn't, he wasn't moving. Uh, so we watched him for another minute or two, yeah. and he said, I think he's dead. Steve, and for our, our fan of you, here the buck disappears. Mm-hmm. And then we hear, which if we could have seen him, we'd have probably seen him go down and then heard the shot, because that's how far yeah. it takes you know sound to travel. And um, so we hear the shot, and and so now we're like, okay, because I'm... I, we go. Our job as Overwatch, if you will, is if you shot and he, you hit him, but he's running a different direction, we're going to stay on him so we can give you, hopefully, either if we have to trail him or if you have to go back in and put another bullet in him, where he went. We don't see him. Yeah. But what we do see is that three-point, remember? Right. Looking. Just looking. What, he, lit- get up. he literally went up and I think walked <laughs> towards you over. How far was he from the deer when he was looking at him? 20 yards. 20 yards. Yeah. And Street Boy's just standing there going like this. And I told Dave, that buck's down. Yeah. Three Point had no idea what happened. You could have shot him. I mean, you oh, know, gosh. literally, you could have had, if Tanner had a tag and Tanner was going to, not that you would shoot that deer, but, you know, he could have shot him. And uh, so then we're, we're like, all right. So our eventual, eventual plan, we're, we're excited, of course. And um, I'm looking over there. And then I know it's a done deal when both of you guys sit up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, they, the deer's down. It's over. So our job was it was going to be easier to take the truck all the way around and go to the highway. Mm-hmm. And from the highway, we could drop, go up one of those drainages and come up and help pack the deer out. So we kind of communicated that a little bit just to make sure we were still on that same page. And uh, that was uh, that was fun because there was there had been a, a, a little side-by-side with four guys that just blew by us. Cause I actually tried to stop them cause you were still making your stock. I mean, you, you hadn't laid down prone. You were doing the crawl. Um, or maybe you were still, maybe you were already set up. Anyway, we were set up. I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna try and just say, Hey, we got, we're on a deer here. Cause that road did go up there and expose itself. And heck it might've been just enough. Maybe the buck stood up for you. I mean, I got to thinking, oh, that's not that big of a deal. They're still a thousand yards away. Yeah. And you guys said you could see them. We, we lost sight of them because they went up on a point and they parked and then they were watching you. Yeah, they were Because there's no way they could see that buck. Dave and I knew where that buck was. And there was times where like, that son of a gun disappeared. Mm-hmm. If I wouldn't have known and watched that buck bed and I was just coming in that drainage to, to glass, yeah. there's no way I would have found him. Right. No way. So um, we jumped in the truck. The forerunner. Forerunner, yeah. And and uh, sorry. Toyota forerunner. Toyota for the Toyota forerunner. Yeah. What year is that? It's a fourteen. Two thousand fourteen forerunner. Uh, went around, and then uh, I emptied my pack of all unessentials, grabbed some extra waters, and Dave and I. And how far do you think that was? A mile? It was a mile. One, like on the dot. Okay. Mile. So we worked up there, met you guys, and and then got to hear the story firsthand. Yeah. Mike, Mike said, "Here's where he's bedded. Here's where he walked." And and we're saying what we say. It was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, be me. able to 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 share 
both experiences <clears throat> and then of course Corey said yep my god i see he said i almost didn't get it because when he if he would have gone down much further he would have walked out of Corey's view um so it worked out really good and we all knew he was a good buck mm-hmm. but tanner talk about when you walked up on him oh man he's a one of if not the biggest i would say that i can think of one of the two biggest bodied mule deer that I've ever seen, and the other the other big one was uh, a biologist told me by the look of his teeth there weren't he wasn't aged or anything, but the guy I know what he's talking about said that that other deer was probably nine or ten, like insanely old, um, and this buck was comparable to that, just huge huge body. So it makes the it makes his antlers look smaller when you're right. looking at when him. you're looking at a big and body you don't deer have, and the other thing is if he's with a bunch of does you would have been like wow he's massive but it's just too good sized the other three point was a pretty big body deer too and so when it's when you just have that to go off of it's hard it's hard to tell how big of a body he has but yeah. definitely makes his antlers look smaller yeah so when you walked up on him he you didn't have any ground shrinkage no did you? yeah he, he definitely grew a little bit yeah so so the cool thing then was uh, kind of going back to how we grew up we gutted everything and dragged it out mm-hmm. and so tanner uh you know got a chance to show you guys the 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 gutless method right and um and the cool thing about that is you know you're not having to deal with all the guts and you're just basically taking what you want and between us we put them in backpacks took our pictures of course mm-hmm. put them in backpacks and, and off we went yeah and then last night we had the poker game of all poker games. That's right. That was a blast. Last uh, night was a lot of fun. Uh, right. I, uh, for me, and I, I think I said this earlier um, when we were doing the interview before when we were recovering. It was, it's, to me, this is super special because it's a connection not only with our friendship, but it's also um, almost a, a tribute to how important this heritage, this tradition of hunting is and we can go into conservation and all these blah blah whatever but to me it was you guys played such a part in getting me excited about hunting whether it be quail or rabbits or you know whatever we did right um and and now here i've had you know 20 over 20 years of of experience in the industry and writing and photography and video and television shows and podcasts and 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 countless countless hunts of of uh like this where you know you're using this style of low impact long hours of glassing and it's successful and then the deer didn't know he was being hunted that's the best way to hunt deer i don't care if it's whitetail or mule deer or hunt anything really when you're hunting them and they don't know they're being hunted right it's a huge advantage so um but you know i it, to me it was just this hunt was great for a memory but it was also a, a tribute to to what where we've come from and uh so it, i i couldn't have couldn't have ended any better right so yeah anything you guys got to take away uh for me i mean closing remark right um we've been friends a long time right and and you guys are the bestest of friends and uh it was just fun to be here with you because life life happens right we all live our lives and you know we're not as in tune with each other so to 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 take this and create an experience um i mean 
it's profound, right? I mean, it's just, you know, we're here we are in our 50s, right? And uh, you just realize what's important in life. Right. And it's uh, relationships. Right. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, for me, same thing, you know, being with you guys and just having fun together. I'd widen the circle a little bit, you know, Corey and Tanner, um, just just a blast to be with and to hang out with and them, you know, hear our stories and not complain about them. <laughs> you know, maybe laugh that a little. Tough, and, <laughs> what's that? It was tough. But it was tough, yeah. Went through, I made, through, made it through. Uh, you know, it's, it, but just to see like, okay, these are real guys. They have a, they have stories, they have a history and, um, you know, uh, just to bear with that and, and, do uh, you know, to, to, to endure my rants on country music and music in general was, was, was fun. It's just, it's just, just being together and doing something, you know, that's, uh, requires everyone's participation is fun. Right. And, and just, you know, sharing camp life, good mm -hmm. meals, everyone participating, mm -hmm. um, just having a good time. It's just a blast. Yeah. And for me, it's even more special because it's on video. Mm -hmm. This is something we can show. You know, it, it go, it'll go into post-production and, you know, all the stuff that we do behind the scenes. But we have the raw footage that that we can break down to show, you know, what we did every day. And, and a lot of what we're going to end up being probably on the vlogs isn't going to be looking at deer. This is not necessarily a deer tutorial. It's going to be... Uh, us Light making tutorial. fun of each other, <laughs> laughing. Right. Um, it's like sitting there, glass, and there's deer 80 yards away, and Mike has to pee. <laughs> yeah. And there's literally more deer piling out below us, and Mike goes, I have to pee. Well, so Mike doesn't take two steps. No, no, Mike walks up 20 yards and then decides to go after he pees, decides to, I'm going to go, you know, and there's keep, deer keep coming out. And I'm like, you know, but it was just, it was fun. Of course, they were does and it, nothing, you know, no big bucks. But, and then Mike looks at the, after that evening and he goes, I'm tired of seeing does. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing does. <laughs> So, yeah, it was great. Uh, Tanner, any, from your point of view, here you are an outsider looking in, three three amigos as we, you know, refer to ourselves, um, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, I think, uh, like, as, as people get older, and you guys are pretty old. Um, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy. You have everybody has great families and everything and that's super important but i think that this kind of stuff is important for men too like the the com camaraderie and stuff is important for men and so it's cool to see you guys like re reconnect and share all these stories and like it seems like you guys are just pick up where you left off kind of and i mean i think it's i think it's good for everybody and you know i'm glad made new friends and it was a good time yeah i'm glad i got to help you out a little bit and we got helped a good up. buck yeah we got a great buck you helped out a lot it yeah. was just it took everyone yeah it did it was it was great it's been a, it's been a great hunt great memory before we we sign off though i want to i want to share one getting a little a little how-to tip um onyx um let's take a second and and we use onyx a lot Tanner and I talk about it because it is a valuable tool but I want to talk about in this situation I think we did a breakdown when we were antelope hunting how do we use onyx in that situation in this situation um, what are you utilizing onyx for public land second rifle a lot of hunters what how is on how, how do you use onyx to, to to help you be successful I think more like antelope you know is a lot of 
property boundaries and seeing um, private versus public and that stuff. And I think with this, it's almost entirely public um, and entirely open to hunting. So this, it's more useful to look at the like roads um, and they, you know, Onyx shows which roads are, you know, four by four, which ones are four wheeler and, and which ones are closed. And in that way you can kind of find the areas that, you know, maybe are overlooked and how to access them. And then also obviously finding great glassing advantages off of roads and stuff. So I think, I think that's more of, uh, it's a little bit more useful in that way during a hunt like this, where it's almost everything's open right. and there's just a lot of there's a lot of pressure so you know that this road this road this road they're all decent roads they're gonna have 100 guys on them because there's over-the-counter elk and then there's also deer tags going on and so just being able to figure out the roads and find out where people aren't gonna be the other thing i i think of is when you find that pocket the ability to glass something up be able to pull your onyx out and give yourself a good generalization of where that buck's bedded. Yep, and I, I also use it a lot for ranging, um, an insane amount for ranging actually. So once I know like where that buck was, I could pinpoint him on onyx and then I can, so I can use the, the line distance tool and I can put a point on him and I can say, how far is it to the top of this hill? Okay, that's 700 yards, that's too far. How far is it to the top of this hill? No, that's 300 so then i'm like okay that's an option and i i use that a lot and with their new wind tool the other thing we can do is there's sometimes oh this is a perfect vantage point it gives me 200 yards but the wind is wrong yeah so so even before you guys were going on your stock and working around he had already worked through some of that to go okay i will be within three the 350 from here the wind's going to be out of here well, that's not going to be an issue and and here's my approach so you guys made your approach you were never seen again hunting a buck that doesn't know he's being hunted mm -hmm. it helps you so that's one of the things i i throw that out there because a lot of i get emails and questions all the time on instagram and stuff hey what about this what about this and a lot of them have to do with uh questions where onyx could really help them a lot of it is hey where should i go but you know uh, when you get there, even if I told them go to this point and glass this strange, they still have to be able to sure. go, okay, how do I get in to shoot that buck? And so that's If anybody helpful. wants deer hunting spots, just hit me up on Instagram. Yeah. I'll give you some real good ones. <laughs> yeah. Send you coordinates. That's exactly right. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening. God bless. As always, want to encourage you, go to uh, Outback Outdoors' YouTube page. Um, check out the... Uh, the the discount you can get with for wilderness athlete throughout back outdoors um all of that is on there we have so much content right now i mean Corey, you've been busting your butt i know i have too we've been putting out daily vlogs uh and then of course if you want to go back and watch full cinematic uh episodes from from season five on to season 13 they're on there free of charge just all we can ask is subscribe you know comment uh, share that uh, we're just trying to build a following trying to give you guys great information and, and uh, promote the sport <coughs> excuse me that was an unnecessary sneeze yeah we're just trying to support uh hunting and and uh you know this is a sport we love and we want it to keep going. So uh, God bless. And for all you guys out there, we'll see you down the trail.